0: everybody we do have a podcast it's back extra bases with bristol and booth jason bristol jeremy booth fresh off the astros four game sweep of the yankees in the american league championship series and that tasted so good to astros fans it probably tasted good to you jeremy because you said after game one yankees no chance no chance yankees have no chance in fact a member of the yankees organization questioned you about that and i think you told them the same thing am i right or am i wrong
1: you know me jason um i don't often say what's on my mind right i'm usually somebody who tries to dance around the topic and um well you know be gentle and, and and careful with things that i say um you know, so when this member of the Yankees organization walked by, safe to say I've got some familiarity with this human being, um, he said, JB, no, no, no chance. And I said, name to be omitted, none, zero, you have no chance. I think it's five games, it could be four. You're overmatched. And I, and you know, didn't have to say everything. He got it. Um, but yeah, I just said, no chance. Might be over four. And what I saw out of that was some absolute dominance by the Astros and how they're playing baseball. And I've been told by those little birdies out there who talk, because you know, they, they, I think they, those people, them, front offices are paying attention and you should pay attention because this is winning baseball the Astros are playing. It's not ambush baseball. It's not swing and miss baseball. It's not, um, analytic or not analytic. It's baseball. And these, this is a good club. And, um, yeah, I mean, Dusty's done a great job. You know, James Click has done a good job in in adding some of the pieces they need to be competitive and continue to go forward. Um, the international scouting, that obviously preceded James Click did an excellent job. The amateur scouting that preceded James Click had some lapses, but the cupboard that was left by Bobby Heck and Ed Wade, which I don't know if we've ever talked about them on this podcast before, but Bobby Heck and Ed Wade, you know, they were here before Luno, just, you know, drafting all those players. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that, um, I don't know that you're going to see in your lifetime as successful a drafting history as that group to leave the cupboard so full for the Luna and Elias group. And I have to include Mike because Mike's a GM now. I got to include him, right? So Luna and Elias group to turn that into trades and waivers and do what they did best, which is that what they did. Um, you know, Jordan Alvarez for Josh Fields, like all that's miscon that's like the trade of the century. Like you gotta be kidding me. It's unbelievable. And to have James Click augment that in a system that's pretty empty, right? I mean, even Jeremy Peña, as good as he's turned out to be a regular, that was Mike Elias. That wasn't, you know, give credit where credit's due. That was Mike. Mike's got Bregman, he's got Tucker, he's got Peña. Um, and he might have this hundred. was Hunter Brown his too. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so he's got four guys. That's it. That's not, it's not good. Because Elias left
0: when? In 20, after April, 2020, 2020, right? Or before 2019.
1: 2020. 2019.
0: Yeah. I think Hunter oh. Brown was 2019 draft.
1: Okay, so then that would be – um, that would have been Chris Gross, right? That would have been him. So, you know, you've got some guys that have come together. So, Mike's got three guys that he drafted that are in the big leagues here. The rest of the guys are – but – when you look at what the what the international scouting did to augment it and the trades and waiver claims by the first by the from the first group, it's just an impressive way to build it. And the Astros have once again found a way to resurrect themselves and are now relevant again for another five to seven years. You're looking at almost a 20-year run by the time all this is done. This thing started where they got good in 15. Right? That's seven years. If they open Wait, one- wait,
0: wait. So you're saying now, you're you're saying now that because of what's happening because for a while you said oh the window it's it's almost shut it's closing
1: and so you're saying
0: after verlander goes with correa gone you're thinking that this thing is going to be able to sustain
1: itself yeah and here's why because what happened is the astros were able to give themselves some payroll flexibility so they're able to keep some of the people here they needed to keep they had a, a, a a fourth round selection that's turned into at least a regular he's an everyday shortstop okay third round was he third round Third round. Um, and you've got that's almost like in Seattle when they had Kyle Seeger making up for Dustin Ackley, right? So you've got that, you got him in the third round. You've got the international scouting, which has done an unbelievable job on the pitching, and you've got some trades and waivers that they've done through other organizations now to get some players in the system on the big league roster that are complementary pieces. And Dusty Baker has changed the culture entirely. So on the surface, the window was closing. There isn't anybody who thought this international group, and I mean anybody, was going to come to the big leagues and do what they've done. Nobody thought Jordan Alvarez, except for one guy, was going to be what he's turned into. Right. And so when you put all of these pieces together, Tucker buying into making adjustments, getting away from the uphill swing and miss, I got it with this new, with the new coaching that was there with his his mindset, um, you know, which is a testament to Alex Cintron and. And 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 uh, uh, Troy Snicker and those guys. I mean, that's you know that that's who's taken Kyle Tucker and help and Gary Pettis and help help him become what he's turned into. So when you look at that group, you now have a nucleus together that can open, keep this window of competitiveness open five to seven years. That's how this works. And all of that started with Bobby Heck back in two thousand eight. It just took to two thousand fifteen to show up because each player leads to the next player. So now they get good. It's 2022. That's seven years. Right. Was 15 the first year they made the playoffs? It was right. Fifteen. So that's seven years. You can't, this team's going to be not going to go away in the next two or three. No, that's a decade. Right. If you have enough to repeat the cycle again or at least extend these guys, that's another three to four years. So you're looking at, you know, a 15 year window. I think that's legit that most organizations don't have. The Yankees haven't had that. The uh, Red Sox haven't had that. Um, you know, they're relevant at any given time. You know, the Phillies certainly haven't had that, right? I mean, the Dodgers have had a window like that, but they can't ever close a deal in the postseason because they're built differently. So when you have all this together, the Astros are in a golden age of baseball, and the, and the World Series uh, trophy is going to run through Houston for the foreseeable future.
0: Major League Baseball.com, MOB.com recently put out its Astros, Phillies position by position breakdown as we head into the World Series. The Astros had an edge in every single spot with the exception of three catcher, mm-hmm. first base, designated hitter, and designated hitter being Bryce Harper and the mishmash of Trey Mancini, Aledmis Diaz, and basically no Jordan Alvarez. I don't find any faults with that. I think the Astros stack up better at every single one of those positions that MLB.com noted, and and I have no arguments with with any of that. I think it's interesting that for most of the season, Astros fans here in Houston, center field has been this abyss, and people were worried about center field. But in this matchup, the way Ch- Chaz McCormick has been playing and the production he's provided, that, that he's going to get the nod. He's going to get the nod over what the Phillies are running out there. And that would be Brandon Marsh, who yeah, no, I'm just, I didn't realize. I, I, I didn't realize, Jeremy, that Brandon Marsh is only 24 years old.
1: That's crazy Philly's, to um, me. The Phillies have gotten, since the Dombrowski um, regime change, they've gotten hot at the right time, and they've gotten culture. So Culture is so important. They've gotten culture, they've gotten buy-in from the people that they have. Um, Bryce Harper deserves a nod over pretty much anybody who's going to be matched up against I and mean, we you know we're not talking about Mike Trout or you know or Manny Machado or something that's going to be more um you know apples to apples but the Astros don't have anybody that electric that isn't named you know Bregman or Alvarez right even Altuve as good as he can be hasn't been the Altuve in the postseason so right now you've got Bregman and Alvarez you got some Tucker you've got some people that um can fit in but none of those guys are really what Bryce Harper can do in any given swing okay except for Alvarez now um Reese Hoskins is at first base. That's that's over uh, Guriel and Man- and uh, Mancini, right? Or Mancini's in the DH hole, so it's over Guriel. Um, that's easy. Although Yuli is a professional hitter, one of the best, still it shows why he's one of the best in the world with his instincts and his field to hit. Um, but Reese Hoskins is Reese Hoskins in, in the story, and then Real Muto. Um, the way the the Astros have, you know, the catching they have is very complementary. It's not aircraft carrier oriented. Real Muto obviously can do that. Um, so that makes sense too. um the Astros should on paper win this in six and i and I don't it's not to me it's not four and it's not seven um because those guys that we talked about with the other pieces that are complementary the marshes, the stots um you know the 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 way that they're you know the Cassianos right get a third
0: for the Phillies.
1: Yeah, the way those guys come together, um, uh, that's kid, Alex Boehm, is that who that is? Yeah, the way those kids come together, the way those guys are coming together and play, they got a pretty good mix, um, you know, but those guys any given any time can take the game over and change it, right? They're very mistake driven and they're very, um, they're very complete in some of the other ways too. So they're not going to be afraid to play aggressive baseball and it's a much better series regardless of how it's tilted than people think.
0: What about this idea of momentum that, uh, you know, the Phillies, although the Phillies did not play well in September <laughs> and they had to find a way to get into the postseason at the very last minute, the Astros 7-0 and thus far in the postseason. And I think everybody always worries about that hot team like the Nationals or the Braves. I wonder if this this four or five day period between games would uh, pump the brakes or cool all the all that mo, quote unquote momentum that these teams have. Do you believe in that? And do you think that this this break that they've had will this break that they've had will not make momentum a factor?
1: I mean, you know, the easiest way to say is I think momentum is a big deal. I think rhythm and timing in your game and consistency is a big deal. Uh, so much of this game is mental that translates into physical. So if you believe or you feel, all those things can come out. You know, it just it happens. Now you can't quantify those things, and so analysts will tell you that you know it doesn't exist. But if you believe in it, it all of a sudden makes it real. If I believe in purple unicorns, purple unicorns exist. That's the way it works, right? It does. Robert necessarily- Valdez
0: believes in the
1: navy blue jerseys somebody believed in dinosaurs it was Mookie Wilson one time said my and don't quote me if it was him but somebody said if I'm in a slump I just think about dinosaurs and if I believe in dinosaurs then I know somewhere the dinosaurs must believe in me too right and i get out of my slump so it's people believe in these things and a momentum is key now where this gets different is the Astros you know, came back and took the game in New York after not a, a not great start by Lance McCullers, which we talked about before that game happened, about where that could go. Um, and the Phillies, Bryce Harper, you know, Pelicay to left field, you know, game over. And so you have some momentum on both sides, but they've stopped on the same day, regardless of wins and losses, both teams get to reset on the same day, same amount of time off and start over on Friday. And it's it's evenly matched from that standpoint. Both teams have some momentum. Both teams have some success, and they're going into the game ready to get after it um, at full strength. I mean, that's just the way it is.
0: Apparently, Mookie Wilson never really said that.
1: Who said it? Somebody. No, said
0: but it. it was more like a it was a humorist type thing. Yeah, it was, somebody said it. was it, satirical.
1: There you go. Perfect. Because I'm but looking still... here on Snopes. Yeah, so was said, it was Mookie Wilson. Was Mookie Wilson?
0: It was Mookie Wilson, the player in question. But apparently, he never said it.
1: Okay. But that well, was a I good. Knew, that was a good reference. Yeah, as an anecdote I knew I saw somewhere. So Yeah. But if I believe in if I believe in purple unicorns and somewhere purple unicorns must believe in me too.
0: I love going back to your old scouting reports. And there are a number of players in this game whom you scouted as amateurs. One that jumps right off the page for me is some guy named Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins, 2014, you said a regular first baseman in major league role, power over hit approach with more to come, must drive the baseball and run and produce runs to have value, limited to a corner and handles first base and left field well enough to not be a liability, needs work at first base, getting his top half to work together with his bottom half. You liked him because you put Paul Goldschmidt as your player comparison and anybody who's listened to us before knows that is one of your all-time great misses, Paul Goldschmidt. What do you remember from seeing Reese Hoskins from Sacramento state in college?
1: I'm sorry. I was basking in that for a second. I couldn't get any buy-in on Reese Hoskins, um, which was interesting. I'm sorry,
0: people. I had my microphone up. So no one saw you basking. If you'd like to, if you'd no, like to do okay.
1: that again, yeah. you can. Right. Yeah, I was I was I'm basking in the Reese Hoskins because I couldn't get any buy-in there. And having made a mis- scouting is about learning from your mistake because it's so hard to do. Like guys that are truly scouts, um, man, it's it's hard to do. And 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 if you get a guy right, man, it feels really good because you're wrong more than you're right. And Reese Hoskins, I couldn't get any buy-in on at all, which was weird because you saw Paul Goldschmidt and everybody missed, but the Arizona Diamondbacks, no matter what they tell you. It's like everybody said, yeah, we want to take Mike Trout, you know, early. no, you didn't. He went 24th in the in the draft for a reason. And a lot of people thought he was lucky to go 24. Okay. I'm just, that's the truth at the time. How'd that work out? And so when you look at Reese Hoskins and Paul Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt went in the eighth round, uh, Trip Couch, the recruiting coordinator at the University of Arizona, signed him. And he had him like he knew the kid. He had the area. He knew the makeup. He knew the work ethic. And so when I, you know, us, everybody else missed. Everybody was like, "Well, you see Reese Hoskins, and he's tearing the cover off the ball, and it's not pretty, and it's not fast twitch, and it's not all the things that you know you got to find to be electric." And there weren't any bat speed numbers at the time that people were going to look at. Uh, and even then, he probably wouldn't have done well. And so you watch him go through, and he's playing in Sac State, not not a Power Five, not a great conference. The analysts don't love it um But he tore up the cape. Did did well in the cape. He hit every time I saw him, and he was playing left field at the time. And I was like, "There's no chance he plays left field in the big leagues. it's not for any length of time. He's going to have to go play first base, and he's going to do that." And I kept thinking Pat Burrell, Paul Goldschmidt, and Goldschmidt was the most recent guy. But every time I saw Reese Hoskins, it was like explosion. I saw him probably ten times over. The, I don't know how many times I put on there, but between the cape. And the spring season, I probably saw him eight to 10 times. And he probably was like, I don't know, 18 for 40 for me. You know, it was a joke what he did with with some damage. And I just said, this guy is Goldschmidt. And I don't want to miss on this again. Take him in the second round. You don't have to take him in the second round, but he belongs in the second round. And I think he went in the sixth round or the fifth round, Um, fifth round. And was that the same year Adam Fraser went in the sixth round, or was that the year after? Mine was the year after. And I remember being in you're on you're on mute. I didn't hear you. This was in 14, 2014. Okay. Yeah, so Fraser went, Adam Fraser, who the Mariners just guys just saw him. He's an all-star. Um, you know, the the Pirates drafted him in the year before in the sixth round. And when you look back, it and I know I'm gonna go down a little bit of a rabbit hole for five seconds, but the draft as it lined up, we could have had Kevin Gosman. We could have had Kevin Gosman, Tim Anderson. Oh, this is painful. Adam Frazier and Reese Hoskins in back to back years. And we missed on, we just said, nah, we're not interested. And it was, it was honestly for me, it was the most frustrating time in scouting because, you know, you got to roll with the organization, does. But all of them cats, we couldn't get, we could get one of them dudes, not one. How many All Star awards are in? How many All Star? appearances for those teams not one dude we had all lined up they all lined up right there so with Reese Hoskins what you saw at the time even now I'm getting excited man i just it's flowing like a Reese Hoskins you, you saw somebody that had power that could hit that can control the zone that moved the lineup and I don't mean like moved it along to the next guy I mean he, genera- he generated and the energy that came off his production like it energized that lineup it got them moving and believing and performing. And I'm like, this dude, take him, man. Hit him fifth somewhere and just walk away. Like, turn around and just walk away. They didn't hit fifth, and hit, he's going to hit 41 here. Now, I, don't, I haven't really tracked what he's done. I know he's produced, right? I think I gave him 60 power. Did I give him six? I don't have him in front of me. What would I give him?
0: He's hit uh, – his major league high is 34 home runs his second year, 2018. This year, he hit 30.
1: So I said he was going to, I think I said a five bat or 55 bat, 60 power. Raw power power was 65. Yeah. What about his production? 60? 65. That's 35 home runs a year on that scale. Yeah. Okay. So where's he at? 30 to 35?
0: You know, it's interesting. You were with the Mariners at the time. You had the sixth pick in the 2014 draft. You selected Alex Jackson, outfielder, Rancho Bernardo High School. And um, from California, the Philadelphia Phillies had the pick right behind you. They did. Do you know, do you know who they
1: picked? Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. Yeah. Uh, I had the Aaron Nola is
0: your game one starter in the world series. Wow. Um, yeah. Here's another one. Here's another one, Jeremy. In 2013, Corey Knable.
1: Yeah, Tigers took him.
0: Yeah. Didn't seem like you were in love with him. I wasn't. You said a setup reliever in a major league role. What's he been? Yeah. Won't take long to the major league level.
1: How long did it take him?
0: About two years. <laughs> you said I would take him sure. in uh, must-take by round three. You said second round. And Canable uh, went pretty high. Comp.
1: Sandwich big. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with my eval record, if that's where we're going. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all right with the with what, way it worked out. I mean, um. You know, funny thing is, at the time, there was so much hate because I was getting these guys right. It was just like, it was hate. Don't care. Got them right. Move on. You know, posterity. But – in this in this World Series, Nola was uh, from Baton Rouge. He went to, I want to say, Baton Rouge Catholic, and the, his head coach was a guy named Kyle Acord, who now works at Marucci as their VP of Sales. And Kyle Marucci's involved with in the series, and Kyle's a great dude. But you know, Kyle used to talk about Nola, and he said what he used to be able to do was throw it wherever he wanted, all the time. Didn't matter. I saw Nola in high school as a little bit of a loopy breaking ball. You know, it was a little bit of a, a stiff arm, you know, but he could put it where he won, went to LSU. and Oh, my goodness. You know, he was a guy that college really made into something. Um, but, you know, Nova's got game one. Him and Verlander, that's not a lock win for the Astros. You know, <clears throat> if you got Hoskins and, and and Real Muto and Harper and, and Um and, and, Boehm and Stott and uh, the Marsh Kid factors in somewhere, who's playing second base for the Phillies? Is it Segura? Segura's on the bench, right? Yeah,
0: it's Segura. Segura, Segura. yeah. So we but had now Verlander th- in his last start of the regular season threw five no-hit innings and struck out ten against the Phillies. And the Phillies, I don't believe they had clinched yet.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like they're in a different spot though as a team right now. Um, and I can tell you this. The, the scouts that they have have been all over these guys. And they're looking at guys like McCullers, and they're picking off weaknesses with Verlander. Everybody knows that to get Justin Verlander, you got to get him early. You can't wait till the fourth or fifth, and you got to get him early. And so this guy's going to come out swinging. Verlander's not going to all of a sudden be out there like, hey, I've been Justin Verlander here since 2004. I'm going to change what I do. He's not going to do that. This is who he is. And so those guys are going to go out there, and you know, while they adjust, Justin Verlander's still going to pitch to his strengths, and the Phillies are going to know what his strengths is. It's all about execution. Valdez going do the same thing. Where these guys run into trouble is whatever's in game three. Now, if it's Javier, I feel better than if it's McCullers, right? If it's McCullers, back up the bullpen, man, because, you know, you can't have this guy throw, you know, 100 pitches in five innings and expect to get anything. And that's what McCullers is going to do. He's going to throw a lot of pitches. It's going to be a little bit all over the place, a lot of foul balls. You know, you know he's going to get guys looking if he sets them up right. Not a ton of swing and miss anymore, at least not what I saw. Um, and the Yankees were a team that swings and misses a lot, you know, and they weren't too bothered by Lance McCullers. So, um you know, putting that whole body of work together, the Phillies are going to be a very, very big test. It's the World Series. They've got some stars. They've got some people there. Aircraft carriers. Um, Kyle Schwarber's on this club. You've got my report on him. Uh, he went fourth in the in the in the draft. I want to say it was 2013. He went fourth in the draft. Um, I didn't love him. I had him in the fourth round. I think the numbers that I said he would perform with have borne out. Cubs took him. Um, you know, matter of fact, I'd be interested to see when you get a, a real deep dive. How close I got on production for Schwarber. Um, uh, I don't have Schwarber. I'll send it to you. He's a 2013 draft. No, he's also but I do have Ryan
0: Stanek in front of me.
1: Yeah, actually, Schwarber's also 2014. I'll pull it. I'll send it to you. Same yeah,
0: draft. Ryan Stanek. We're almost running out of time here, but Ryan Stanek, um, one of the key bullpen pieces for the Astros, although he has not been used very much in the postseason, I'm wondering if his higher than higher than the rest of the bullpen walk rate has something to do with that. But uh, and I think that uh, you look at Abreu's put away stuff, and that's why it seems like Abreu's kind of and Montero they have taken over for Stanek, but. You actually, at the time, he was a starter, and you thought he could be a number two starter in a major league role. You had Ryan Dempster as your comp on him, would take with our first pick and not look back, which I think is very interesting.
1: Was this at Arkansas or was this at – This is Arkansas. Okay, so you put him there as a starter because you have to to get him in that round. Now, where we were picking to consider him even talk about, and he wasn't going to go up there, and we knew he wasn't going to get to the second round, and I want to say Tampa took him in the back of the first – is that right
0: he was selected in the first round of the 13 draft by the rays and he was the
1: 26th 28th something like that 29th pick yeah so i mean it was it was in the back and there, you know when you're picking there you're looking for something that's got some upside something that has some presence something that has some he,
0: production he had right shoulder surgery right after he signed
1: yeah. So, I mean, you know, it limits what he can do, but at the time to put him in the conversation and that was 13, we were picking 12 to even discuss him. You had to turn around and uh, might've been picked 13, 12. Yeah. You have to even get him in the conversation. You have to be able to think he can start. And if he goes out, he's a reliever fine. It's going to be a trip down memory lane, this world series, huh?
0: It will be. It will be. I I will say this, Bryce Harper, since I covered Bryce Harper in one of his first professional stops, and that was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I will say this about about Bryce Harper. You got to respect the way the guy plays. Do you remember when he first burst onto the scene as as a professional? He went to the Arizona Fall League and some of the players and some of the other competitors in the league were kind of taken aback about how aggressive and how much hustle he was showing. And it's like, really? Come on. Like, that's that that's a great sign and and maybe you should look at yourself in the mirror and say why am why am i not doing that but that's just that's my 1000 foot view on Bryce no, Harper I, the amateur I, I and right. then obviously as he became a professional
1: i think you're right the one thing i would say that i saw is apparently when he was at um was it um southern southern nevada. nevada yeah they played san Jack, and there's a picture of him basically spiking the first baseman's Stretch foot. And I feel like that's hustle at that age and, and and frustration and passion getting the better of him. We haven't seen him be a dirty player, you know, since he signed. Um, he's definitely been a confident player. He's definitely been the chosen one, if you will, for a long time. Um, that carries a lot of weight with it and a lot of a lot of heaviness with the crown and um you know he's made his money and he's gone out and he's performed and now he's where he should be so um the one thing you won't see this phillies team do is take plays off they will not jog down the line they will not not lay out for ground balls they will not take bad routes they are going to play fundamental baseball and they are going to hustle doing it the energy in philadelphia and the commitment demands it and that's what they're going to bring to the table